Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we are covering the second major of the Call of Duty League season. Bink was there, he was in Boston for all of the action over the weekend and what a weekend it was. We got to see uh, a team return to glory uh, uh, so to speak. They had uh, kind of fallen on relatively hard times, which seems ridiculous to say, but uh, now they're back at the top of the Call of Duty League. Um, we also had a surprise retirement over the weekend, and following the second major of the season, we also have had some roster changes uh, happening throughout the league. And uh, before the major, or I guess maybe this was during the major, we had some uh, streaming news that was going on that... Uh, ruffled quite a few feathers so a lot to talk about on this episode but before we get to any of that how are you doing bank i'm doing all right like you said i was in boston for the tournament it was uh, my first <clears throat> event since champs 2018 so felt good to get back out to an event in person but uh i was definitely a little rusty and i am uh, definitely feeling the uh, side effects of you know actually being at a tournament so um, not the land sickness or anything like that, but, you know, I just, I, I am pretty tired. So um, just got to hit that stim, as Tremmy would say, and uh, get uh, get to talking about these games. It's good that you didn't get the gamer flu, as most people do. Knock when on they, wood. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I got hit with something, but I haven't been out of my house really in a week, so I don't know how I got anything. Um, but, you know, we cover COD nonetheless, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to... We're going to blow through this um, bracket, talk about some of the things that happened during this major because it was a very interesting tournament. Uh, one of the, uh, before we even, uh, you know, got to the major and stuff last week, I'll pull up the bracket for anybody watching on YouTube or uh, watching on Twitch Live. Um, but we talked about it last week on the episode that this major was very unpredictable. There was no way to accurately assess what was going to happen. Um, in Boston because so many teams were up and down heading into the major and we end up with a team that you know neither of us overlook or anything because we we have thought pretty much since the inception of the Call of Duty League that this team in particular is one of the best teams in the world but they've they had, like I said in the intro, kind of fallen on hard times, but that's relative to their expectations. Atlanta Phase wins the second major of the Call of Duty League season. Um, their first major win since, or the first win, I guess, since Champs 2021, right? Because I don't believe they won anything last year. Had a lot of second place finishes at, at many majors. Had a second place finish at Champs. And then they had a third place finish at the first major of this season. But they they looked untouchable. Uh, very much the best team in the game, at least at this point in time. Uh, kind of give me your thoughts as you were there live to witness you know, the tiny terrors of uh, terrorizing the league again. Slasher winning his first title since Major 2 last season. Um, just a, a very big win for FaZe. Uh, tell me your thoughts on their pretty dominant run here. Yeah, I mean, the big thing, obviously, you know how much I enjoy Search and Destroy. Um, the big thing was FaZe went flawless and S&D this weekend and you know the age-old adage S&D wins championships it definitely hold up, held up true here um, I don't know their exact record it was 7-0 and 8 or 7-0 or 8-0 something along those lines 
Um, I know after the first, well, they didn't play the second day, so after their first three matches, I believe, or no, it would have been after their second match, um, they they were 3-0 and and had an 18-3 round count in S&D, so just really strong performance, and there were multiple standout moments from every player on the team in Search and Destroy. Abizi had a massive uh, 1v2 or 1v3 in the grand finals to, you know, help a comeback on Elisilo, where... If they lose that, um, potentially they they have to go to a game seven in the grand finals, or or they could even have lost momentum and not won the following control to win it all. So there, that was a big moment. Simp had, um, I can think of like two maps where he dropped double digit kills and was just absolutely frying. Uh, Slasher had a big clutch on hotel search in the grand finals. Um, just a lot of great moments in search and destroy for this team, and I I got to talk to. Um, all the guys on phase, but in particular, I talked to Slasher and spent multiple times about it. And um, the underlying statement was just they feel like they're the best S and D team in, in the world. And you know, Slasher is really confident in his S and D play. And even notice like it it makes it even that much easier for him when he's surrounded by three guys who are really good at S and D too. Um, and then you have to take into consideration that Tupac is there. Um, S and D coach as well, which I, I talked to Crowder in the post. Uh, grand finals press conference, which I'm hoping to get an article out on that tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. But little teaser, he uh, essentially said that uh, Tupac is the greatest S&D mind in Call of Duty history. So I don't really think that's up for debate to begin with. So it's not an outlandish statement, but um, to hear Crowder actually say it, I think just speaks volumes to um, what he's able to provide to a team that that's performed well in search this year and will most likely continue to. Uh, perform well in that all-important game mode. So um, that was that was the big thing for me out of phase. Just search was flawless. They had a couple of instances, in particular with the Minnesota series and in the grand finals too. Um, they lost the opening hard point. Actually, did they lose the opening hard point to Minnesota? I'm pretty sure they did. But, uh, they did. Yeah. So so in the winners bracket finals and the uh, grand finals, they lost their opening hard point and we're still able to take the series because they have that search and destroy that they can uh, rely on so um hard point might be an area that they'll look to improve upon heading into uh major three qualifiers but when, when you know you're you're playing this well and you just have to make some slight adjustments in uh, a mode like that while you can rely on your search that that's pretty uh valuable so we'll you know Shout out to FaZe, it was a really strong performance. Uh, I do want to say too, I think the whole like narrative that a lot of people in the community are pushing, like, oh, FaZe is finally winning again, something like that, is kind of wild to me because it's not like they were losing a lot last year or anything like that. They literally, I, I wrote it in uh, the article I did for the, just talking to the players after the grand finals, but they, they literally, oh, the, there were four majors last year in champs, so it doesn't count the pro-am or the kickoff. Um, they had four second place finishes and a third place finish. So like, it's it's not like they they were struggling by any means. They just actually weren't getting first place. Um, and I just feel like it's it was it's one of those things where these guys, especially the core of Simp, uh, Selium and Abizi, just from the moment they entered the league, um, especially Simp and Abizi, saw so much immediate success that it's almost like the expectation is for them to win everything or it's a failure, and I just feel like it's weird to think that some people are like, oh, FaZe proved they can still win or something like that from winning this tournament when 
I feel like that's just always the case. It just didn't necessarily go their way last year. Like like I said, they weren't getting 12th place. They were getting second and third. So um, strong performance out of phase. I, it was good to see and um, will be interesting to see how they continue to build off this performance heading into the major three qualifiers. Their S&D is just ridiculous. 7-0 and uh, at the major in Search and Destroy when they weren't particularly dominant in any of the other game modes uh three and four in hard point and three and two in control so uh, i uh, my math is uh not great but i believe that's 50 50 in respawn but when you're winning every single search and destroy then that kind of uh, helps your chances i would think um, for the season, they are 21 and eight in search and destroy. Just a completely ridiculous um, record. Their, their worst map in uh, the, you know they play fortress. Uh, they've played that four times, and they're one and three. So you know that's I guess their weakness in search, but uh, not a lot of weaknesses as a whole uh, in that game mode. But if there is a team or you know. If anybody is uh, able to kind of just steal maybe a search, but if they can just dominate the respawns, that's the way to beat FaZe at the current moment because we saw in the grand final um, phase they lost the opening hard point very, very close, uh, 250 to 248, and they also lost the second hard point to LA Thieves. I think that's the only way to really beat them. Uh, like you said, FaZe also lost the opening hard point to Minnesota. They lost the opening hard point to Boston. Um, and they uh, also lost the controls to Minnesota and Boston as well. Um, that's something that has to be shored up, obviously. Like, you, you don't want to leave so many uh, like opportunities for the other team to beat you. Um, and, you know, FaZe looked actually better. They were able to clutch up that uh, hotel control uh, in the grand finals, which essentially got them to the finish line because, uh, and then they also won the final control, a 3-0, um, a very dominant uh, control victory for phase, which is pretty shocking to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, that's that's something that you want to see if you're a phase fan. It's just something that they really haven't seen all that often. Um, moving on from phase, let's talk about the thieves because they had kind of a, you know, people are, uh, you know, you're saying that phase people are talking about like, oh, they're able to win again, blah, 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 even though they've been, I, I believe they were the number one seed going into champs last year because of their very high placing. They were pretty much like a contender for every single tournament since this inception of the Call of Duty League. So it's not, they haven't dipped in performance very much at all. Whereas the Thieves, Obviously, the defending reigning world champions beat FaZe in the grand finals of uh, champs last year. They have had kind of a similar uh, trajectory heading into this major, at least. They had a similar trajectory to their last season trajectory where they were, you know, not performing up to expectations um, and especially not uh, up to the expectations that a lot of fans had coming off of a world championship victory. 
now I think they have put a lot of those uh, worries and like naysayers to bed because they did finish in second place. It was not an easy second place by any means. They had to grind through the loser's bracket after losing um, in the opening round of the winner's bracket. My voice is going because I'm talking way too much. But um, they, they lose the optic in round one and then make an incredible loser's bracket run all the way to the grand finals, but come up a little bit short against FaZe. Um, what, what did you make of uh, the Thieves and their performances this week, especially with their backs against the wall as, uh, as they were in the loser's bracket? Yeah, I, th I think that's the main takeaway here is just they go on that 15-1 and one map count uh, run from loser's bracket round one to the grand finals. The only map they lost was in their rematch to Optic, Optic being the team that sent them down to the loser's bracket. Um, so that was just really impressive. It really started, too, with that. Uh, they're, they're Obviously, it technically started with the win over Florida. That That wasn't much of a surprise, but... I think that New York match was where it was kind of like an eye-opener. They just absolutely bodied the defending champs, and um, I think that gave them all the momentum they needed to go on this run throughout the rest. Um, obviously, I, I think um, the match against Toronto, uh, even like Octane like said it in the post-match interview, like he was like, thanks for the alley-oop phase, because phase 3-0 Toronto, uh, that would have been on Saturday, and then... LA Thieves played them in the following match and just 3-0'd them too. So it was a really tough day for Toronto, um, which was your pick to win the event heading into it. Um, but, you know, I think that just speaks volumes again. They beat the defending champs and then another top contender in rounds two and three of the loser's bracket go on and are able to beat the team that sent them down there as well as a Minnesota team that looked uh, very strong in, in their winner's bracket run themselves. But, you know, LA Thieves was just had the hot hand there where they're playing those consecutive matches in the loser's bracket. Minnesota was just coming off a tough match against FaZe where they actually, I think it was a 5-3 lead Minnesota had in the game five search and uh, Atlanta came back. So um, another another situation there for the Thieves where um, they're playing against a team coming off a tough loss and they just capitalized on it. So um, I actually, I got to talk very briefly to Envoy and Kenny, I believe at the end of day three on Saturday, um, but that was the day where it was just 5 3 so that was super hectic. Um, so I actually didn't even listen to that audio back of uh, talking to them. I, I passed along to Tanner, who was doing the uh, recaps and was using the quotes accordingly, but um, I think that one thing they were talking about was just confidence, and I, I think that speaks volumes to what they were able to accomplish is just building momentum on uh, that run they were able to go on, and it's pretty evident that the Thieves are still a strong team. Maybe they struggle online, and, you know, you can talk about online issues however much you want. They play from L.A., uh, yada, yada, all that. But uh, end of the day, I think it's more important they showed up here on land and showed they, they still are a team that can, you know, get the job done. Because I think even, you know, just ourselves, we were looking at Optic, New York, Toronto, and FaZe as, like, our top four contenders heading into the tournament and it's no shade at these but they had a rough stretch in the qualifiers they weren't performing well kenny had that little uh missed that one weekend where he was sick mm -hmm. um so there were question marks around the thieves heading into this tournament but i think most of them have been answered now it'll just be a question of if they're able to gain use the momentum they gained from this tournament to actually get some online results that don't put them in a situation once again where 
Um, they have to go on this wild 15 and one map count run to make the grand final. Yeah. It, um, as far as thieves, I think they are the closest to phase. And that seems obvious, um, at the moment, but if you look at how they played at this major and how they won many of their matches, um, not a, not a, a fantastic search uh, showing out of them this weekend. Obviously, they did have a few 3-0s, which is nice. But when it came up uh, against FaZe, they lost several search and destroys. And that was mostly the difference in this. Um, their map counts through this major, 8-2 and two in hardpoint, 5-4 and four in search, and 6-2 and two in control. Uh, if... You're going to beat FaZe at the current moment. The best way, like I said, is to go through the respawns. And when you're winning 80% of your hard points, you're winning, uh, I believe, 60-70% of your controls. And winning more than half of your search and destroys, I think that's your best opportunity. And that's uh, LA seems to be at the best point right now to beat FaZe. <clears throat> but FaZe, I just... I, like, I think when... Phase, regardless of the you know the fourth really like it could be Arcides, it could be slasher like it is now when that team is clicking on on all cylinders i don't think there is a team in the game that can touch them i think the talent is too great i think the chemistry is probably too great at least with the trio of selium abizi and simp because abizi and simp have been teaming together since e united which is like four or five years now and one have won multiple world championships together you like Selium has been there uh, since the beginning of the Atlanta phase uh, crew. He obviously has a pretty um, long history with all of these players as well. And Slasher is, you know, one of the best assault rifle players of all time, a great veteran, a great leader. And just like, uh, uh, and maybe this was the change that they needed because I was a uh, very skeptical of like how useful Slasher would be to replace Arcides in the off season because I felt that Arcides still has a lot to give, still a great player. I didn't know if Slasher would be uh, a massive upgrade in that department for FaZe, but they've I, I don't want to say they've proven me wrong because you can never prove me wrong. I, I am nobody can ever prove me wrong. I'm too smart for that. But um I think that there is they are leaning towards proving me wrong for the first time ever. They're just so good and i think that the potential for this roster is still even greater because they haven't really shown how much they can do in respawns and you would think you would think that they would figure that out right um as for the thieves right now they seem to be in a good spot let's see if that continues because they had that last year where they would look good for a little bit kind of like seattle did but they would look good and then they would kind of dip off and not look so good um, I think I think they are a, they're definitely a contender for the rest of the season. There's no doubt about that. Just too much talent and a lot of chemistry, like Phase, and they have world title experience. Um, but yeah, I was very impressed by Thieves. I, I was not expecting it. I wasn't even. Uh, but when they got rolling, it reminded me of uh, what was that major four, major five last year, the one that they won, um, and then the, in champs just how dominant they are, like, didn't seem to be stopped. So I actually picked the Thieves when we got to the Grand Finals. We actually picked uh, the, you know, Grand Finals before we got to the, uh, through the Losers Finals. And and I, and I you said Atlanta versus anybody, and I was thinking LAT versus anybody. Like, 
If they get past Minnesota, I think they're going to get past Atlanta as well. I was wrong on that. Oh, I, okay. I, I guess I can be proven wrong, maybe once or <laughs> twice. But, um, yeah, I I just think when that team gets hot, it's very difficult. And that's the same for FaZe. So it's very uh, – that's why it's always an intriguing matchup when FaZe and Thieves face each other because who knows what can happen. They have incredible matches. They're an incredible, incredible matchup for each other. Um, but, yeah, I was very impressed by the Thieves this weekend. Um, and yeah, th- that ahead. was another point I, I talked to um, the guys about after the grand finals as well is that it was at Major Four last year and Champs. Thieves lost in the winner's bracket and um, loser's bracket slash grand finals. Uh, both of their series losses at those two tournaments were to the Thieves. So they were 0-4 against the Thieves in on land. Uh, to end the last season so this was um a bit of revenge and then and that's what abizi pointed out he was like it felt good to get some revenge and and simp was very emphatic about saying yeah it felt really good to beat those guys um the other thing just to mention because you're kind of glancing over it a little bit is that that first match in the grand finals um was like 250 248 on mercado hard point and um We've talked numerous times with this format about how much momentum the loser's bracket team can gain, especially in situations like this where these are playing back-to-back-to-back matches. Um, Fees really felt like they choked that first match, too. Um, Slasher kind of was making a joke about the lack of red dots in in the game because he was saying that he thought um, they had cleared out Envoy of a certain position, but it turned out they didn't. And and he was like, yeah, I got hit by a little red dot cheese or whatever, and it was pretty funny. but. it was just, yeah, it was one of those things where that could have, you know, turned badly for uh, FaZe. But again, we, we talked about their search and destroy. They were able to rely on that. But it is a good point, too, just to bring up uh, LA Thieves' success in hardpoint. If this is a battle we see uh, moving forward throughout the rest of the year, um, that's going to be the, the question mark is which of these teams starts to win that other match, the other team's strong suit, right? If FaZe is able to improve their hard point where they're consistently beating thieves and hard point is going to be really hard for thieves to uh, take down Atlanta and then vice versa. If the thieves improve their search and destroy to a point where they're competing against uh, phase and, and able to beat them in that, then that, that makes thieves a very scary team, especially going up against Atlanta. So uh, looking forward to some more battles. And, and coincidentally, we do get to see this matchup once again in the online qualifiers, I think on the first Sunday of week one. Um, so we don't have to wait too long to see another matchup, even though it's online. Yeah, that should be really exciting. Um, as for the scheduling stuff, I don't know how they haven't figured this out yet. Um, it's only been, this is like the fourth season of the CDL. And I think that if you're going to have the winner's finals on Sunday, then they have to be the third to last match. Like it has to be winner's finals, loser's finals, and then grand finals. Which isn't an ideal format anyway, just because Phase would still have been sitting at least for like an hour or two hours and stuff. What were you gonna say? You can't do losers final before uh, winners final because yeah, yeah. So Abizi mentioned it in the post match interview too that uh, the winners the... final should be the second match on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Losers, losers round uh, four, winners final, losers final. And then grand final. I, I think in a the, scenario, I, there's there's still a scenario there yeah. where a team would play three straight matches, but it's one less match that the winner's final victor has to wait. Yeah, I think the ideal scenario would be 
that the winner's final would be like, you know, on Saturday night. And like, you know, obviously a lot of scheduling would have to be changed. But the idea is that if like there's no way to really make it fair, like they can't play at the same time because of the winner's finals, loser's final stuff. Um, But I think it's a little more fair if everything was done by Saturday night except the grand finals because then everybody's coming into this on an even playing field. But like they've done it for, I think, Champs. champs, grand finals and stuff, which is nice because it's literally like, almost like a a sporting event it's like this is there's just one match it's for the championship but of course like the logistics of that is a nightmare i'm sure because in champs they only have eight teams and things have changed like that so there's really no perfect scenario but yeah i think the smallest change and the most reasonable change would just to be to flip the first and second match and make the winners finals the second match and then go right into losers finals and grand finals it's just not a perfect scenario and it's been something that has been a a a topic of conversation in call of duty for years and years because i can remember many land events where the winner uh or like the grand finals uh winner winner's final like participant is just waiting for the losers bracket to finish up and and, uh, i mean the most extreme examples are like the 2ks uh back in the day where people would be waiting hours for the losers bracket to finish up and by the time they got to the the grand finals it's like one o'clock in the morning people are completely done playing the game um but yeah just a, a small change that they can make and i hope they do make it at least for the next major um, as far as the next team on our list that we should discuss, the Minnesota Rocker, somebody that, uh, if I remember correctly, when I said that I would be the most surprised if Boston beat FaZe in the first round, I believe what you said was I would be the most shocked if Minnesota beat New York in the first round. Well, it happened. Minnesota upsets New York in the first round of the winner's bracket and then they go on to upset Optic, the number one seed in the tournament in the second round. And then they go to the winner's bracket finals, lose to FaZe, drop down the loser's bracket, and they end up losing to the LA Thieves, who are obviously on that gigantic run. Um, I've spoken very highly of Minnesota this season. Uh, I, you know, Of course, I'm never wrong, so I, I was very right on that. Um, I think it was very obvious to a lot of people that they had a lot of talent, uh, at least on paper, that team just needed time, in my opinion, to kind of gel. And this weekend, they looked very good. And arguably, they they should have been in the grand final. They really choked that game five uh, S&D against FaZe in the winter final. I believe they were up 5-2, five, five, maybe 5-3. Five, and um, they just really let it slip. What did you think of Minnesota's performance? Uh, because you know, like I'm not saying you didn't think highly of them, but they had a really hard road to get to a third place finish. Yeah, I, I don't think I can't remember exactly how we worded it last time, but I just remember pointing out that it was like Minnesota, New York had lost to Seattle in the online qualifiers heading into the major, and then Seattle had lost to Minnesota. Um, Minnesota was just a team in general we talked about in the last couple episodes now where we really just didn't know what to think of them. They had like mm-hmm. a strong win against FaZe in the online qualifiers. They had a loss to, I can't remember who it was to, but um, it was just, it felt like they were up and down. Um, and, and heading into the tournament, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, but 
I, I think it is worth noting that New York suffered from extreme uh, travel issues. Minnesota it's also did, um, but I think New York had it the worst and like got in the latest and didn't have their luggage the longest or stuff like that. Um, so regardless of that, I, I think that was something, you know, in the back of people's minds, at least after the first match, like, oh, you know, um, this might be a little bit of a fluke. Minnesota's going up against a, a, a New York team that's coming in with a lack of preparation, dealing with travel issues, yada, yada. Um, but then they get that 3-0 win over Optic, and I think that's the eye-opener right there where it's like, okay, now this, this is legit. It doesn't matter what you thought of that first match. Like, they, they can hang. Um, and the, the big thing was Bance. Like, Bance pretty sure had, like, a 1.3 overall KD heading into Saturday. Um, he was just on a different level kicking off this tournament, and him and Afro were working really well together. Um, I know Afro in particular struggled in the Thieves matchup where they got eliminated, but other than that, he played super well this weekend too. Um, but yeah, I just think um, Minnesota was one of those teams. They have the talent. It was just like a, not an ideal start for them uh, to heading into the these majors and in the qualifiers, we didn't really know what to make of how they were playing and whatnot, but um, I think this shows what they're capable of. The only thing for me is if um, if it's taking Bantz dropping a 1.3 for them to get to these positions, how reliable is that? Uh, like, right, I'm nothing against Bantz or anything like that, but relying on any player to drop a 1.3 consistently is extremely difficult. So um, we're going to have to see how Minnesota builds off this, but it's definitely uh, just speaks the volume of the competition of the CDL. Another point we've, you know, harped on multiple times here is just all these teams are good. You only got 48 pros and um, Minnesota showed what they're capable of doing when they're playing their best. And uh, like you said, they could have very easily been in the grand finals if they just closed out that game five against FaZe, but FaZe iced up and uh, knocked them down to the loser bracket and they weren't able to regain from that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Minnesota is capable of going forward. Uh, just again, I'm, I'm going to have my eyes on the, the squad as a whole because um, I don't think it's realistic to expect Bantz going out there dropping 1.3s on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah, definitely not. I think that's a really good point too that um, these kind of outlier performances by specific players it's very hard to judge like what is like kind of how is it gonna work like throughout the season is this just like a turning point for this specific player like bands is you know like to, to look at the stats from the major bands and hard point was the only minnesota player that had a positive kd he had a 1.23 kd and Afro was the second best with a point nine two. Um, that that's effect. I'm pretty sure he had a point five in the hard point against the thieves. So like that's affected. But Afro was playing well yeah. up until that one. Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, like it's just it. Uh, and I'm also just looking at the stats for their maps and stuff. And it's not like obviously when you lose two maps that kind of skews it. But they only had four maps, small sample size and whatnot. But there wasn't like a game mode that they are absolutely dominating in. Um, they were three and one in control, so like that's that's good and stuff. But two and four in hard point, three and three in search, like it's you know not fantastic. 
And if it you look at how they've been doing throughout the season before the major, it kind of lines up. They were 10-4 and four in control. Very good record. But again, that's the least important mode because they only play it once. And they were about 50-50 in hard point and about 50-50 in search. And that makes me think we, we now have dozens of matches to look at. Uh, of course, quite a bit of those are online. And we don't know exactly how uh, relatable or how reliable they are um, when you compare them to LAN. But if they have about the same record or the same ratio of wins in all three game modes from LAN to everything before this LAN, it makes me think that a third place finish was probably an overachieving um, result for Minnesota at this point in time. That being said, that's okay. Like that's they. I think they. This is their. Uh, they're close to their ceiling about this. Like a third place finish, nearly a second place finish because they really should have closed out against Phase uh, in Game Five. But a third place finish is about where I would expect them to max out because I expect Phase to be in the top two, and I think New York is still a top two team in my mind. Um, and I think I think the thieves. So I, it, my top three, uh, I, unsolicited, Phase, Thieves, and New York. Uh, New York and Thieves like can be switched around, but I think those three teams are the best teams. And then who knows what Seattle's doing? But I think Minnesota is like a good four through six, which is exactly where I expect them to be. I think the talent is there. How they kind of utilize that talent. Um, I think that uh, of them as like Toronto from last or not last year because Toronto is not that good last year, but two years ago, there's a chance that they are a title contender at a major. And if they're really hot, they can, you know, compete at champs. But I don't think that they're a consistent uh, title contender. Um, but yeah, this was a really good performance for them. And I'm sure they're kicking themselves because there was that opportunity to make it to the grand final. And then who knows what happens once you get there. And uh, I, I still think they would have gotten second, but that's that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think Minnesota, a really impressive performance. Definitely kind of a breakout performance for Bance. Uh, and that's awesome to see because, you know, he has a, he has a really big fan base as like the most well-known European player. Um, definitely... Uh, from his time in Toronto, a very popular player around the league, to see him do so well on such a big stage was very impressive, and I'm happy to see that. Um, I I think we got to mention it. This is the the thing that people were probably talking about the most was Optic and their performance uh, over the weekend. A interesting, a, a very interesting performance from them uh, around the board. Um, so the first match of the weekend, uh, for them at least, they go up against the LA Thieves. Um, they win that. They they win a tight series in the HBR Classic. But it kind of dips from there. Um, definitely, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, what, I, we'll talk about it as we go. But what did you think of Optics showing this week? Uh, getting fourth place, I think that's a good 
placing for them considering all of the turmoil and stuff that's been going on over the past month but i'm sure there are a lot of disappointed optic fans considering they were the number one seed going in and they had beaten phase heading into uh major two so what did you think of optics performance yeah i, th- I think we we saw what they're capable of and um at the same time we saw what some of you know what, what could lead to their downfall with um you know they they beat the thieves and lost the thieves to get eliminated i think that's just you know enough example there the winning and losing to the same team uh in the same tournament is is you know can speak to uh how the team performed and and evaluating them you know obviously momentum plays a factor there but um that was the thieves first match of that day i think so yep um yeah, that, yeah, that was just the second game on on Sunday, so it was both their first game. So, um, regardless, I I think fourth place, like you said, is a good placing for Optic. Greenwall fans won't want to hear that, but with everything that transpired over the past couple of weeks and and all the the turmoil, like you said, and and the roster changes, Scum retiring, Rambo no longer coaching, just a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I I think that's a respectable placing. It's how they. It's where they go from here that that's going to be the most interesting. Just and I feel like we're saying that for multiple teams, or at least I'm saying it for multiple teams. But um, I know on the flank, I, I was kind of just had it on in the background after the matches while I was writing. But um, one thing the flank guys seemed to be harping on about Optic was just their. Um, can't think of the word now. Um, their discipline, discipline was the key word they were using. Like there, there were some situations where um, some of those guys felt they could have played slower to capitalize on on certain advantages, and instead of just you know rushing out and, and making a play that way, or you know, it's just I, I don't remember all the examples, but that it felt like that's what the flank was uh, mainly focusing on with optic was just discipline being an area of improvement for this squad and. Um, that could come with, um, you know, more time playing together. It could also come if they're able to add on to the coaching staff um, and, and focus on that heading into the major three qualifiers. We Again, we have no idea what they're doing. It's very possible that JP is just the one-man crew behind the scenes coaching for the squad going forward. But, um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, fourth place with everything that happened, not the placing the green wall will ever be accepting of, but it is an acceptable Placing in my eyes, and and Optic has you know so much talent on this squad. The way we we saw um, moments where Dashy was just absolutely popping off, and then there's another map where Shotzi's just absolutely frying. So a lot of potential with this squad is just going to be able to, or going to be if we're able to see them maximize that potential and and um, be the squad that the Green Wall wants. And you know they do they do have a good opportunity with their home major. We we saw last year they they won their own major and. Um, that, that home crowd buff was real for them, even though the Optic uh, fans are usually the home crowd no matter where the event is. Um, regardless, yeah, I, I think that's we're, we're going to have to see uh, where Optic goes from here and how the squad continues to try to improve. I don't think a lot of fan bases like moral victories in general because, you know, some some fan bases are just real weird about, like, what you praise their team about. And I think that... This is kind of this was a very stabilizing placing for Optic to get fourth place. This is about where they were last year um, with Scump and everything. 
And if I remember correctly, didn't they finish fourth at champs last year? Um, I believe they lost to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, fourth place isn't bad. This is the optic that I, uh, not necessarily grew up, but that I was accustomed to when I started watching Call of Duty. That third, fourth place was a very comfortable region for them in the nade shot years, um, barring like X Games and whatnot. But this is a good performance. This is not a great performance. A great performance would have been, you know, grand finals, winning it and whatnot. But uh, very good for how much stuff has been going on. They also had a really tight series with the Thieves in loser in the losers bracket. It was pretty much a coin flip in almost every single one of those maps. Optic won 250 to 203 in the opening card point and then lost a, uh, a round 11 search on Embassy, lost a round 5 uh, Albagra control, and then lost a 250 to 243 Embassy hard point to the Thieves. That's a really, really close margin of error. And Thieves were able to clutch it up, and that's what great teams do. They're able to finish and like close out games. As we saw with FaZe against Minnesota, they were able to climb back into that final search and get to the grand finals. So that's what great teams do. But you also look at it like Optic has been this roster for three weeks or so. It's not the end of the world. It's also very early in the season, so there is a lot of room for this team to grow. Um, and I looked at the, the stats so just with uh, this lineup, they are now six and eight in hard point, eight and three in search, and three and five in control, which is not great. I, I will admit eight and three in search is very good. Um, but it's also like this team has so like the roles are not perfect on this team from like they didn't get to pick to play with each other, essentially. Hook was not a first option for Optic to replace Dashie. Dashie was certainly not expected to replace Skump uh, and because Skump was not expected to be replaced, essentially. And the difference right now between when they had Skump in the lineup and when they didn't uh, and they haven't had Skump in the lineup is that they are much better in Search and Destroy at the moment but they are worse in hard point. So when Scump was in the lineup this season, they were 8 and 5 in hard point and 5 and 7 in search. They've essentially flipped that. So now they are, you know, good in search, not not bad necessarily in hard point, but not great either. And I think that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that to be honest because no. Scump is a very good search and destroy player. <laughs> and uh no, what were we going to say? But it's not like Scump is a bad search player, so that's all I was gonna add. Yeah, so like, I mean, they have the exact same record in control, three and five, but the difference is they've essentially went from a I don't know, like a forty percent, forty five percent win percentage in search to like a seventy seventy five percent win percentage in search, and. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I wonder if that is an, that is something that will continue because this is a pretty small sample size, um, really only like seven or eight matches, I think, now with uh, really either way, to be honest, because 
they hadn't had very many matches before Scump ended up retiring, and they haven't had many many matches since he retired. Um, but so, something to keep an eye out for, see if they're able to continue that trend. It's something that FaZe has been able to parlay into a lot of success, but FaZe has been even better in search, and I feel like they're able to kind of win the the respawns when it matters like they did in the grand finals against the thieves so it's a it's an interesting thing to look out for as we continue on in this season um we're about 40 we'll just, uh no what are you saying i'm just wanted to add real quick it was a good point you bring up the actual uh match up here but in the rematch between the thieves and optic how close the matches were um, I had actually forgotten it, but that was another thing that the flank was mentioning was that they, Eeks in particular, but the other guys kind of echoed it. it. Was they felt like this was a very winnable series for Optic that uh, they just let slip away, and I, that speaks to to the, the the closeness of the series. So, um, could have been an entirely different narrative that we're discussing here if if Optic is able to end the Thieves losers bracket run. We get another Optic versus Minnesota matchup in the losers final. Who knows who's in that grand finals against Optic there? So. Uh, could have been an entirely different tournament if Optic was able to clutch up, but I think again that speaks to the Thieves' chemistry and uh, your you know newly formed squad going up against the reigning world champs who've played together for a year. That, that can, um, despite what you think or don't think about the importance of chemistry in Call of Duty, um, this is an example where that that can make the smallest of differences. And and when you have super close matches like that, that can show. So we're about 45 minutes in. We've only talked about four teams mostly. So we're going to try to quickly run through some of these other teams. Of course, we don't really have a lot to say about a few of these teams like Florida and London who only played one match. Same with like uh, Vegas. We do have a little bit to say about Seattle, but it might be better served for next week to talk about because we do not have actual CDL matches this week, uh, this weekend uh, at least. And then um, but, you know, we're going to try to run through some of these other teams. Give me your just kind of overarching thoughts about these, uh, the rest of the eight teams that did not get the top four um, at the major. Since you were there, you got to experience a lot of the tournament and a lot of the matches. Yeah, so I'll just go in order. For fifth, sixth, we got Toronto, Boston. Um, Boston is kind of an outlier just because now we're in a situation where Methods is retired, so there's going to be a roster change there. Uh, early rumors suggest that Beans will be coming in, and we saw him play in one match um, at Major 1 where uh, Boston lost when Awakening was ill, so um, it will be interesting there. But Boston played a really tough, uh, really close match against Fees to kick off the tournament. Um, again, similar to what I was just talking about with Optic versus Thieves, like if, if Boston's able to clutch up in that Game 5, which obviously is tough against Fees' level of S&D right now, but... Um, could have been an entirely different tournament there. So Boston was able to uh, capitalize on some matchups against the struggling Thieves and uh, the Gorillas just being the Gorillas and another newly formed squad. Um, but then they weren't able to beat Optic in the in the following round. So um, interesting matchup there. We're just going to have to see what happens with Boston, what their new roster officially looks like, and uh, we'll be able to evaluate them for moving forward there. I think Toronto, that big storyline with them is just touching on that one bad day, right? They they play against the Gorillas, who were, were looking strong in hardpoint in particular in the online qualifiers. Uh, maybe a mid-range team, we were kind of saying, heading into the major just because they played 
Uh, it was Toronto and Atlanta in the last week of the qualifiers. They played them close, although they lost both matches. Uh, Toronto was able to beat them again. Um, but then they just have that bad day on Saturday where they don't win a single map and get bounced from the tournament. So I think Toronto's still a good team, a lot of potential there. Um, just going to have to see what they, how they're able to respond from this adversity because obviously an 06 map count day just isn't ideal at all. Yeah, I think um, it's like the bottom four teams are a, a kind of the teams you expect to be at the bottom four, um, except Seattle uh, should be replaced by LAG, in my opinion. Um, that's like the team that, but but this is true Seattle. They are either like championship hopes or literally picking first in the NFL draft kind of thing. Like they're there is no in between with this squad and why I have no idea. Um, but it looks like they're not making a roster change. I believe Phoenix, the, uh, the coach for Seattle, I believe he had mentioned on stream that they weren't going to make a roster change, which is interesting. Um, but I think the right move overall, because uh, it's just, like I think I think they have championship uh potential, but man, they really did not show it. Um, but yeah, I'm not too surprised about London, Florida. I mean, I'm sad about Vegas, but not that surprised. Um, but yeah, not a lot of uh, thoughts about any of these other teams. Uh, Toronto, I will say, I was a little disappointed with them. I thought they could go further. I I picked them to win, and. I still feel confident that they will end up winning a major if FaZe has an off day or something because that's going to be a really tough team to beat uh, when they're at this kind of level. But, um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about the, the teams at this point. Um, I'll just I'll just rapid fire through the other six. I, I yeah. was just giving you a chance to talk about Toronto and Boston if you had anything. Um, obviously, for New York, we, we touched on uh, the travel issues and all that. So I don't think we got the best showing out of New York that we saw obviously evident from their championship at Major 1. So uh, this might be a little bit of an asterisk event from them. Um, we'll see how they're able to rebound from it, but I, I don't expect them to be placing. The, uh, like if, if we get to the end of the season, this is their worst placing, I, I wouldn't be surprised just based on uh, how strong they've looked you know, at Major 1 and in the qualifiers heading up here. Um, LAG, again, we kind of briefly touched on it, but this was Joe Deceive's uh, first pro LAN. Um, still a new squad for LAG with three-fourths of that. Um, academy team from earlier in the year, but they were able to uh, win a match against Vegas, which obviously is better than getting last place, but uh, weren't able to move forward against Boston. So back to the drawing board for LAG. Um, I would be surprised if they made another change just because of, we saw the potential of the squad, especially in hard point. Um, so I would like to see them stick it out and, and try to improve as a four-man crew, but I guess we'll see what happens uh, going forward there for them. Um, and yeah, I think like you said, you kind of hit it with these other squads. Not really much to say about London. Florida's going through big changes now. Um, it is worth mentioning just, just because they were the, Florida was literally the only team that didn't win a map at this event. And they they basically showed up, played one match, went O three map count, and got sent home. So that that's all they got to do this weekend. Which um, I think Slasher had a tweet about that, like like being like, we kind of got to talk about this. How a team can show up, play a, a thirty minute series, and then just head home, and that's it. Um, 
But yeah, I think we'll we'll see what happens with Florida once we know what their new roster is. Vegas, I thought Clay played pretty well. I would have to look at the stats for them. Um, but I'm pretty sure Clay was playing well. I, I think he dropped double digits in the game two search. I can't remember game five, but him and Joe Deceives both had double digits and were, were going back and forth a little bit in Smack Talk, which was kind of fun to see. You know, one of the oldest pros now uh, going up against one of the youngest and, and you know, cool to see in my eyes. Um, and then Surge, I think, like you said, yeah, that's just a question mark with them. I think at this point it's fair to say that the Pred situation had a negative impact on this squad. Um, we were kind of, you know, teasing it a little bit heading into the major two qualifiers. It was like, could this have an effect? I don't know. They're, they're a squad that played together for a year. So you think they would be able to, you know, have the chemistry to battle through some adversity like that. But I, I think it's safe to say at this point that that did have some impact on the squad. Um, and especially if they're sticking together, it's going to be interesting to see. They kind of just got to wipe the slate, slate clean, uh, especially in search where they continue to struggle and try to improve there. Um, I will say they, they did kind of get hit by some fugues with that uh, kill streak uh, glitch. I don't even know if glitch is fair to say, but um, it was the map four versus Boston where Mac called in a uh, cruise missile, and I, I got to talk to Methods and Nero after the win because um, Mac killed himself and Accuracy, who were in a building across from the building that Mac tried to streak the door of where two Boston players were running in. Um, and even Methods was basically like, this. that's just unacceptable, referring to like it being a, something in the game that just can't happen. Um, and they were he basically was like, I think all of us were thinking we were heading to a map five there just because Seattle had the break, had the rotation, all of Boston was spawning out. And literally, if Mac like doesn't call in that streak and it's just like holding the cross, even if he gets one kill and like dies, or even if he just dies, he's not like, you know, killing accuracy. So accuracy could potentially get a trade. Um, it was just a, a tough, tough break for Seattle that kind of just sums up this whole uh, major two cycle for them where, you know, um, close but no cigar, I guess, but not really. The, <laughs> the cigar isn't necessarily winning at all, but, you know, actually winning a map uh, match. But yeah, I, I think the big thing for Seattle, especially if they're sticking together, is how they're able to improve their uh, search and destroy because you know they have so much raw talent on this squad and so much so much slaying potential that they should be able to you know win a hard point here and there it's just going to come down to if they can't win a search and destroy and you have to rely on winning one three four if you drop one of those then you're basically screwed so uh we're gonna have to see how they improve going forward especially if they stick together but uh yeah i think that's all the teams now yeah, I don't know if th there are a lot of instances in which a team says, like, we are not making a roster change or whatever, and then it actually turns out to be, like, good for them. Like, if you get to the point where people are like, man, you guys should probably, like, you know, make a change, and they say publicly, like, no, we're not doing that. Like, I just don't know if that's uh, a very, like, that not a lot of good outcomes come after that um, because – it's just like they're bad. Like the search is a real big problem. Like not winning search at all is a, a very, very big problem. Um, but you know, I think like they, they have potential to figure it out because we've seen them at their best. They were just, uh, you know, a month ago or um, you know, a month and a half ago, getting second at the first major. It's just it feels like that was such a long time ago now because they are a completely different team at the moment than they were back then. Um, but yeah, definitely something that we're going to 
keep monitoring because the Pred situation, uh, not a great look uh, overall, especially because it has seemingly impacted the team so greatly. Um, or if it hasn't, then just like the, the who knows what happened uh, over the past month because they're bad. Um, I pulled up, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, uh, I pulled up the point standings uh, as we uh, see it now. So FaZe is on top uh, with a 30-point lead over NYSL. Toronto in third. Uh, LAT and Minnesota tied for fourth. Optic is in sixth, which is pretty good considering they got a top 12 finish at the first major of the season. Um, Boston and Seattle tied for seventh. LAG, Florida, and Vegas tied for ninth. And then London, uh, just keeping it warm at the back. Um, yeah, uh, not not too many surprising. At, at, I, I just think the bottom of the league is kind of, uh, for better or worse, that's sorted out Like for the most part. We know who are going to be like the four or five worst teams because that's usually how it goes in the league. Um, I believe the bottom four from last season, uh, at, like going into champs, like the teams that didn't qualify, I believe those are the same four teams that are in the bottom four right now, which is kind of weird. Um, it's not kind of weird. It's kind of, you know, expected just because of the rosters and whatnot. But, um, we should talk about some other stuff before we get out of here. I don't want to, uh, you know, like talk about this way, too, way too much. Uh, but, uh, well, leaking the notes. Yeah, yeah, leaking <laughs> the notes. Um, so let's talk about methods real quick because you were there for it, and I was like, I had walked out of the room because it was in between matches. I wasn't really paying attention uh, too closely at the time. But Methods uh, gets up on stage. Uh, it's in Boston. He plays for the Boston Breach. They had just been knocked out of the tournament, and he announces that he is retiring from competitive Call of Duty. A pretty shocking thing for me, just because I mean this is mid-season. You know, same with the uh, the Scump stuff. Like you're just not expecting it to happen. Uh, what was your thoughts and reactions being in the building for Methods' retirement? Yeah, I was very surprised. Um... I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's something that's always been there for methods, that being full-time content creation. We, we've talked about it multiple yeah. times, even dating back to uh, when there was the potential Washington Demon Cats uh, franchise, and then once it moved to Boston and stuff, when they're looking for somebody to build around, uh, methods was a name we both immediately jumped at just because he has that brand. And for a new franchise coming into the league, uh, I know I did, but I'm pretty sure you agree that it was smart to have somebody where you can build around uh, the brand like that from a competitive standpoint and a content creation standpoint. Sure. So um, that's just something that has always been there in the background. When other methods retired, decided to retire, um, he knew he could fall back on content creation. And obviously, we don't know the extent of the reasoning because it was very sudden to me. I literally... I got to talk to him after that Seattle match that they won, and uh, I had no indication that he was thinking about retiring at all based on our conversation after that game. Um, and then he goes and loses to Optic the next day, and then the day after that is when he announces retirement. So it definitely took me by surprise. Um, but I think he's going to absolutely kill it in content creation. Um, 
it's just one of those things where it's getting to the point where I, I mean he's only 25 too so it's not like he's that old um i just think that the 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 actual product that these pros are playing with they're they're not enjoying it and um if, if they can not deal with the constant grind of playing a, a less than ideal game for eight plus hours on end every single day um well, they don't want to put themselves through that if they can, you know, just pop on a stream like the earlier today. Methods was like had a just chatting stream where he was watching World War II vods and just chilling, talking to the chat, stuff like that. Like, uh, I, I obviously am not a pro and 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 not able to talk to <laughs> uh, what it's like doing either of those things. But it definitely seems less stressful to uh, uh, go down memory lane a little bit, watching some vods with chat as opposed to playing Modern Warfare 2 for eight hours of scrims day after day. Yeah, methods is, uh, you know, I think this idea of content creation and like a career after your career or after your playing career, so to speak, um, like that's that's attractive for a lot of players, but I don't think it's uh, entirely realistic for many of them because we haven't really gotten to know a lot of these players that are in the league because they're so competitive. Like, that's their focus. They're not really opening themselves up to, like, you know, the audience as a whole. A lot of them don't even stream. They don't post any content. So it's kind of hard to, you know, get to know them, get to understand who they are and whatnot. Methods is the complete opposite. I mean, he's been an entertainer basically his entire career. Um, that's how people know him. He's he's Chef Tony. He's not he's not just, just Methods playing Call of Duty. He's the guy that talks about chicken parm all the time on Twitter, and he's he's just a, a personality, and I think that his thinking that content creation or just like something else is a better use of his time is probably correct, especially when you look at Scump, uh, who, you know, he's not trying to be Scump, uh, so to speak, but like Scump has tens of thousands and at one point during this weekend had more than 100,000 people watching his stream uh, doing a watch party for the the major Zuma who was at the Boston major uh doing the flank live at in the venue had tens of thousands of people watching I think methods sees those guys and thinks I could probably do that. I could th do something similar. I could carve out a career of my own, uh, doing Twitch and YouTube and whatnot, which I think he, I think he can as well. And I'm very happy that he's, you know, like he, he's done, like he's over it. Uh, I would imagine. And why wouldn't you, if you're a COD pro and <laughs> one of your last matches ever is you winning a match that you had no business winning because COD just decided, like, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Where Seattle, you're losing. Boston, you're winning. And you don't really get a, a choice in that. Um, yeah, I'm very happy for him. I hope that he has a successful career afterwards. I hope that, like Scump and Zuma, he sticks around the community and is kind of tied to COD and not, you know, completely leave us. But... Um, that, that might be a good segue into our next topic about COD leaving them, uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just really happy for methods. I can't blame him for, you know, getting out of competitive and going into doing something else. Um, should we talk about Florida or should we talk about the YouTube stuff before 
uh, which order would you like to go in? We can just talk about the YouTube report real quick, because I think there's not much to talk about. I know you wrote an opinion piece. Mm. Um, But just getting straight into it, Dick Serto reported, uh, was it on Friday? I think it was on Friday, um, that the league is potentially moving back to YouTube exclusivity uh, following Major 2. Um, I believe I saw a clip from Scum's watch party of Hex talking about it and being like he hadn't heard anything about this. Now, obviously, that could just be semantics and and him just, you know, saying that for the sake of saying it, but it seemed like he actually had no idea of it and was like, you know, I don't think the CDL would make a move like this without consulting their partners first. Um, So I found that to be interesting. Um, We're obviously going to have to wait and see. I think it would be just based on the um, success we've seen so far with Twitch this year and and the watch parties in particular, I think it would be um, just not the best move to go back to YouTube exclusively. At the same time, uh, one of the points you made in your um, opinion piece is the importance of media rights deals and the money that can bring in for Activision, which could allow Activision to continue to run uh, these uh, the, the CDL in general, and then um, I know I personally, I liked watching on YouTube just having the ability to immediately rewind and I could like double check the score when I'm trying to update uh, our scores and standings posts for matches and stuff like that, but I mean, um, I definitely like the clipping feature on Twitch more than clipping on YouTube, so there's pros and cons to both platforms. I think the big one though, especially that everybody's seeing with the success of the watch parties is just the viewership. Um, so I know you're a little bit more passionate about this topic than I am, so you can go for it. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're a little bit over an hour already, but um, it, you know, I implore everyone that is very interested or very passionate or really don't know, uh, you know, like what's going on and whatnot to go to my opinion article. Um, the title is CDL's reported return to YouTube is just another misstep in COD Esports' eternal search for progress. And, you know, I haven't been following Call of Duty as long as Bink. I haven't been, you know, following Call of Duty or in the, the space as long as a lot of the pros who have been around since, like, COD 4. Um, you know, some have been, like, really there from the very beginning of COD Esports, like, through the PCLs and through Frag Cup and all that. So, you know, I'm I'm not saying that I am, like... Uh, you know, like a hardcore, like long time fan, as long as uh, other people. But as someone who has been watching COD for almost exactly 10 years now, I got uh, got started with COD Champs 2013. I saw Parasite's butt crack and that really got me hooked into it. So that was, that was about 10 years ago. It was like March uh, 2020 or 2013. So I have been around for a while. I've seen COD at its peak in terms of competitive i've seen it at its lowest and i've seen it in the middle and i think we're like like the middle low right now like i think cod has so much so much potential the fact that people still talk about this game and talk about the scene as a whole so much on twitter is ridiculous like the for as small of a esports scene as we are compared like in viewership compared to like league and CS:GO and Dota and all of that like the people on social media are very passionate about that and i think that is 
that shows that there is a lot of potential for this league and for this esport to grow. But I think that moving back to YouTube and it will be a very negative, uh, like a negative, negatively perceived move because of what we've already seen people say about a potential move back to YouTube. It's going to be like a real big problem for them. It's going to be a at least a perception issue for the league that it's about the money and not about growing the scene, which of course it's about the money. Like nobody's, you know, naive to that, but if they do move back to YouTube and and go away from Twitch, that that proves like that is like um, a very blatant act of like this is about the money and people just don't like seeing that in general even if they know it to be true. So YouTube could be an attractive option for the CDL just simply because of the media rights. And I'm not I'm not saying that I'm very clued into any of this stuff, but I know that media rights is worth a lot of money in traditional sports. You look at the NFL, you look at the NBA, they are making billions of dollars off of, you know, selling their media rights to like CBS, Fox, ESPN, etc. Obviously, the CDL is not making billions of dollars off of their stuff. But I'm sure that it is something that is, you know, relatively lucrative to the league if they're able to sell their media rights to YouTube, whereas the same thing that Activision did in what was that 2019, uh, where they sold the media rights for the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League to YouTube, which made it the exclusive home of the Activision's two biggest franchise esports leagues. As far as I'm concerned, it's a really bad thing. Um... And not because I dislike YouTube, because I agree with you. I think it's a lot more convenient to watch on YouTube to like be able to rewind stuff is it's much better. But as far as like, I just want to see Call of Duty esports grow, even if it makes me a little uncomfortable or makes me a little like uh, annoyed at certain times because like I might not like a certain aspect of how we're growing. I want this this thing to grow. I've been around call of duty for 10 years and i haven't really been following any other esport for that long like i i don't care about any other esport to that degree and i don't even play call of duty and i still i still have a podcast with bank i still watch these events i still write articles i still edit articles i actually keep updated on like what's going on the in the league and i don't even play the game that that's just because i love cod esports and it just would make me very sad and very frustrated to see this happen again where I liken it to the MLG.TV move, which I think is one of the worst things that ever happened to Call of Duty Esports. Just moving away entirely from Twitch at a time when the league really need, or uh, not the league, but like the, the scene really needed it. And at a time when players like Nadeshot and Scump we're still getting thousands and thousands of Twitch viewers to move completely away from that. I think was a as a was a mistake, and now it would be a, a maybe even a bigger mistake for the Call of Duty League to move away from Twitch, where they have Zuma and Scump. Now maybe Methods, other players. I saw that Karma was uh, co-streaming. I saw that Rambo was co-streaming, and I'm sure there will be many more. Um, but to move away from that and move away from all of the viewership that essentially it's just been created because of these co-streams that have been allowed to happen i think that'd be a huge mistake and definitely something that would hurt call of duty esports as a whole and maybe never recover from uh like to the to the same degree 
um, or it would take just a, a long time. So that's my rant kind of done. Um, we should, before we go, let's talk about Florida because we do have some roster mania stuff. And, uh, I think this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. This is, we have like a, a week off from matches this week and, uh, teams are obviously going to try to improve their roster before the major three qualifiers begin. But Florida has made, uh, a few changes actually. So Vickel has now been benched. And Major Maniac has been completely dropped from the team, as far as I know. And uh, right before, or, you know, like maybe an hour or two ago, Brack was announced to be coming back into the roster. So he will be replacing at least one of those guys. Um, and then Florida will, you know, presumably have to do something else. What do you think about Florida making these changes after a pretty disappointing, not even a pretty, a very disappointing start to their 2023 season? Yeah, I don't think we have to talk about it too much because you know we'll have need some filler next week when uh, we're we're talking about the matches before they um, actually happen. But um, yeah, I think it's just important to note this. Like you said, this is the start of roster mania. We got a week off this week, but then the matches start the following week. So there's not a lot of time here, um, but it is slightly enough time to make some changes like this. Um, I think it is worth noting that Major Maniac is completely released as opposed to Vickel still being a sub. Uh, Vickel is one of those young players who had showed signs of potential last year, so I think it's it's good um, that Florida is still keeping him on the bench just in case they decide they want to try to bring him back in. Um, although I talked praises of Major Maniac and what he's able to do on a team outside of what's posted on the stat sheet, um, he even showed last year, pretty sure he went down to Challengers and, and saw some success, I believe, with like two real and um, I can't even remember that's why. Maybe it was Mohawk, right? Didn't he win uh, Challengers champs or whatever? He might have, yeah. I, I can't remember. But re regardless, yeah, it's, we, we've seen this scenario for Major Maniac before, so I wish him the best going forward, but I am happy that Brack's back in the team. We talked about it at the time when they benched Brack for Dave Patty. Yeah, Brack was statistically the best player on Florida in all three game modes. It was a very questionable move at the time, and Florida seems to realize, yeah, maybe this guy uh, deserves another chance. So um, we're obviously going to have to talk about a completed Florida roster, assuming they make the moves before we have our next podcast, but um, there are speculation that Dan Ghosty, who I, I don't know if there was an actual MVP of the Challengers event, but he was on Fellow's team that won the Boston Challengers event this past weekend. Um, there's rumors that suggest he might be getting signed by Florida, but it sounds like they're going to be having some tryouts either way. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to talk about more about Florida when... Um, we know more about their squad. And then you obviously have with methods retiring, uh, there's the rumor of beans going in, but again, we don't know Boston's um, exact com confirmed lineup heading into the major three qualifiers. Um, so yeah, the, those are the, the absolute fewest moves that could be made. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if we have more to talk about on that on roster mania front uh, next week as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, that about does it. We've had a, a pretty big episode, but there was a lot to get through. A very interesting tournament. Um, we we talked about the YouTube stuff. We talked about some roster mania stuff and methods of retiring. Um, just to update the fans, we did really well in Pickums uh, at the major. We both went twelve and six, so we are both over five hundred now. Bink is thirty nine and thirty three on the season, and thirty seven and thirty five. So. Um, for anybody that was doubting that we 
actually knew what we were talking about. We still don't, but we picked pretty well, and we're going to continue to pick well probably for the rest of the season. Definitely not going to come back to bite me at all. Um, <laughs> make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening on. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, you can come watch the live stream uh, every Tuesday or so usually. Uh, on twitch.tv slash ego child podcast make sure to give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts and spotify follow us on twitter he's at jbanquit 2 ks i'm at prez buyers and the podcast twitter is at ego child podcast the next show uh will probably be february 14th so on valentine's day uh, maybe we'll kiss on stream or something um we'll preview uh ma the major three qualifiers um like bink said we'll probably update you if there's any new information on what's happening with the roster changes around the league. Maybe there will be more. Who knows um, how that goes. Um, and maybe we'll have some YouTube uh, news to talk about if the CDL uh, has the cojones to, to announce that before like Wednesday or something, just to kind of sneak it in there right before they go live. Um, but yeah, that about does it. Bing, take it away. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, I, I know kind of went a little longer with this episode but that usually happens for us when we're recapping actual majors so um hope you guys enjoyed major two especially as much as i did it, it was uh, i i really enjoyed getting back to uh going to another event so and i hope you guys enjoyed watching if you were there or even if you're just watching online and if you're on the fence about going to one of these events and it's close like you know just do it if you haven't done it before it's, it's a really cool experience so um that's my advice on that front. Um, I will say, if we don't have to, um, if you got plans on Valentine's Day, we can figure out a different time to uh, do the um, the the show next week. Especially because the later in the week we do it, the more likely we are to have that roster mania news um, and that stuff, other stuff potentially announced. Um, as well as it's it's just worth mentioning real quick too that. Uh, next Wednesday, February 15th, is when Season 2 of Modern Warfare 2, Warzone 2, and DMZ drops. Uh, and Ranked Play is supposed to come out with that update. So um, they said the same thing last year, because I, I, I specifically remember writing an article about Ranked Play coming out on Valentine's Day last year, and then it got delayed. So um, who knows if it'll if it'll come out and what state it'll be in at, at launch. But um, for anybody who's still playing MW2 online, you can look forward to that, and, and maybe we'll be able to talk about that in the in the weeks to come. So uh, looking forward to that. Also, if you guys uh, are interested in any uh, interviews and stuff like that from uh, this past weekend, check out my Twitter. I've been tweeting all the interviews that I've been doing, or you can just go to the COD section on .esports.com. Uh, I'm hoping to have a couple more follow-up interviews throughout the rest of this weekend, next week before the Major 3 qualifiers. So definitely... Uh, Keep your eyes out for those if you're interested in any uh, straight-up player discussions and what they had to say from the past major. Uh, but enough on that front. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, and see you next week. Uh, remember to send the chow.